Hello and welcome to the Tez FE podcast. My name's Kate Parker and I'm here with Julia Balgatai. Hello. And this week we're joined by the current Chief Executive of the Association Employment and Learning Providers, Mark Dorr. Hello. And I get that speak- wrong myself as well. So don't <laughs> just, worry. Just roll that easily <laughs> off the tongue, that one. And um, we're speaking to him in the last couple of weeks as his, on, of this current role. He's moving to be the CEO of the Skills Network at the end of August. So, Mark, you've been with AELP for four years now. So how has the sector changed, do you think, in your time? Um, it's It's been a phenomenal change, actually. And this is, it's four and a half years, I think, by, by the time I, I, I walk out the door. Um, I joined a year before the levy came in um, and all the policy changes that went with that. And, you know, I'm, I'm leaving sort of uh, after the height of COVID and, and uh, uh, sort of moving from basically a full employment situation to a mass unemployment situation. So obviously the members, uh, many of them are the same. We've got John Hyde on the board, 75 years old and uh, still going strong and has been around for decades. Uh, but many new members as well, uh, many employers, we've got import assessment organisations, universities, which we didn't obviously have in the in the work-based learning sector in the same way. So phenomenal change. I don't think there's much that stayed the same in terms of policy that we've had to deal with. And what have been kind of your highlights the past few years? What are the things that, you know, really stick in your mind from your time at AERP? It's it's that's a really tough question because um, you often you're you're dealing with something or battling away with something or or trying to to make something happen and as soon as it's done you move on to the next thing uh, and I was thinking back uh, sort of thinking about this this conversation this morning and and starting to remember all the things that we'd been involved with. Um, uh, many would say my highlight was dancing in heels with a group of men in uh, gold lame <laughs> shorts at our conference. Um, I still have that video available. Uh, and uh, but uh, you know we've 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 sort of many will forget the, the last uh, a uh, adult education budget procurement and the the nightmare that was and how providers were treated very unfairly and we we won probably over a hundred million pounds for them sort of through a changed approach had the struggles of the the procurement for uh, apprenticeship providers uh, I was just reflecting that you know people are complaining about the five percent contribution to SMEs and it'd be lovely to see that be removed before I leave uh, but it was 33 percent and then went to 10 percent and then five percent and that was us that was us uh, fighting away we got we had the announcement uh, yesterday around um, the uh, uh, going from a cap of three to ten on on uh, SME starts you know these are things that we've been sort of pushing either for days weeks months uh, and they all merge together but it's been just constant absolutely constant there's always a long list of things and I think people have got a little tired of us uh, because you know they give us something and, and celebrate it and they say, yeah, but here's the other 20 things that you haven't done yet. And you've been battling really hard, haven't you? I mean, currently, you know, in the COVID situation, um, I say probably that might have been one of, you know, the toughest times over the four years battling to try and get that financial support for training providers during this time. 
Um, I mean, obviously, we, we ran so many stories on it and you had the lawyers involved and everything. That must have been quite a challenging time for you and for the organisation. Yeah, it was. And, you know, we, we, we've had some big battles and then we enter this period, which is unprecedented for, for everyone. Um, and very, very quickly, we could see with our members what the problems were going to be immediately and going forward. Um, and you can sort of understand the Secretary of State sort of wanted to deal with schools and then exams and then universities and then colleges. And, you know, it, some of it was they just didn't have the capacity to even think about uh, poor little ITPs at the bottom. Uh, and slowly we got some support coming through, but it was a real fight. It was not at the level that other education institutions were at. And then obviously the levy apprenticeship providers got nothing. And we're going to see the consequences of that. I'm starting to get reports of uh, uh, people being put at risk of redundancy and, and a whole range of things. So, you know, the capacity of the system will be a challenge for the next six, 12 months, 24 months even, uh, as we go forward. Are you worried at all about providers as you leave? Absolutely. I mean, I always worry about my members. <laughs> um, you know, they're... they're even in the good times, there have been challenges, say, with the approach Ofsted took to traineeships right at the beginning or, you know, they're, they're, real, they're real challenges. And, and I suppose the first two months of lockdown were incredibly difficult for me, actually, because not only were we fighting just sort of 15, 16 hour days on every front, we're just a small organisation uh, dealing with thousands of civil servants, basically, uh, and the other agencies. Um, and I, I felt a real weight on, on my shoulders in terms of protecting those members we had, their staff and those that they supported. Um, at the same time, you could see the civil servants were run ragged um, and, and they're not designed to react quickly. The, the civil service is definitely not a, a responsive, speedy organisation, but it was designed that way, you know, to make sure proper approvals had. So they were really struggling, but it just created an enormous amount of tension and an enormous amount of pressure on, on me and, and the organisation. And are you going to, obviously you're staying in the sector, you're very much not leaving Absolutely. the work-based training sector. Are you um, going to miss the lobbying side of that, the constant knocking on politicians' doors? And I think that's a yes and no answer. Um, I, I'm actually, I'm staying, uh, I'm, I've just been appointed back onto the board of AALP when I leave uh, and I'm part of the policy group there um, and there are one or two groups that I've been on as an AALP representative where they've asked me to stay on uh, in my new capacity sort of bringing the sort of provider perspective. Um, also I'm on World Skills board as, as you know and I, I've always said that's that's the most amazing thing and I, it's the last thing I would ever drop uh, if I was having to prune back what I was doing. Uh, we definitely miss your outfits at closing. <laughs> I know, and I've, I've been, uh, had a little bit of time to search through and see what, if we ever, if we ever manage to get face to face again, uh, uh, what will be my next outfit? Um, the, <laughs> the lobbying uh, is, is, is wonderful. And, you know, I, I did work in the department for a time and, and you're involved in things setting setting stuff out for for many months or years in the future um, and being involved in those conversations is really good uh, but but there's a big but 
you know, a lot of the time you're just having to repeat the same message over and over again to every single person you meet, uh, whether you're on a platform, when you're in conversation, whether you're in a meeting. And you can tell they get tired of it, uh, but also it is tiring and, and it's not, you know, it's not uh, because we just want to be boring and keep repeating ourselves. It's because it's so important and that is incredibly frustrating sometimes you can you can go a week and just feel very deflated and then suddenly there's a shift you get that up tick and then off you as i said off you go again on the next list uh, item on the list do you feel that kind of since you know since you started four and a half years ago that now we're in a point where kind of effie's time has come you know with the chancellor giving um his statement last week um and you know all of the different initiatives that have been put in place for the sector and for young people it, do you, do you have a sense of, I know Gavin Williamson, you know, saying further education, further education, further education. Do you think that that really is the case now? Or do you think there's still a lot more that needs to be done? I'll answer that in two parts. I'll answer that from the ITP work-based learning sector and then the FE sector. Um, I've, one of the tasks put in front of me when I was being interviewed for this role was to make sure our voice was heard. Uh, and make sure that when decisions were made, they fully understood uh, what it was that, that the members of AALP felt and needed. Um, and as uh, Rob Halfen has uh, kindly described me as Len McCluskey of the sector, um, and, uh, you know, people running away from me down the corridors of Whitehall, uh, I think... Uh, you know, we have got ourselves into a position where we are heard and people what an absolute transformation is is uh, no one would talk to providers when I started. It was all about the employers, no one else, no you know we were the devil's child basically, and would just do what we did uh, once uh, the employers had decided. We've reached a point in the last few weeks where all the agencies, particularly the SFA and DFE, are talking to us all the time. Actually, it's putting quite a burden on us. You know, lots of uh, draft documents, lots of how would you do this? What do you think about this? That is transformational. Now, that's actually happened during COVID. Changes at the top have meant a different approach to things, but also I think a realization that providers are there, um, want to do a good job, want to do the right thing, are vitally important. You know, there's the sales force, the delivery, the employer support, the learner support. They help with progression. They they recruit learners. Uh, I mean, they are on the ground, the key people. So it's great to sort of see us being described as the third leg of the stool, you know, the apprentice, the employer, ourselves. So so that's been a fantastic change. And and you know as as well as anyone else that if there's something going on and we've got a view on it, we'll give it to you, <laughs> whether it's positive or negative or something. <laughs> yes, so we and I, you know, I, I think then people decide whether they want to use that or not. But I don't think our job is not to be quiet. My job is to be the sponge in a sense, protect, protect the members so their names, their individual names, aren't put forward. But voice views, and as a membership organisation, that's very, very challenging when you've got a whole range of views sitting in your nine hundred members. So uh, we've we've had some issues around degree apprenticeships and HE in particular, and we had to find our level. So, so for the independent sector uh, and work-based learning, phenomenal change. And actually what we saw uh, from the Chancellor, even though it didn't give the sector everything it needed uh, last week, 
was talk about programs that led to work, a direct line of sight. And that's that again is is you know to have the Treasury, the Chancellor, the PM standing with trainees and 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 talking about apprenticeships. We've never ever ever had that. Uh, and that is to some part due to the hard work of the board about uh, ourselves and our, our members. In terms of FE, again, it's great. It's great hearing, you know, the levelling up agenda, the forgotten 50%, the Secretary of State, who unfortunately didn't mention providers other than, I think, once and colleges 20 times uh, in, in that speech, um, and actually started talking about the forgotten 50% for level four, five, and six. Uh, there was no mention of level one and level two, which you know, 40% of kids come out of school without a full level two. Uh, that's to me is what, uh, you know, degree apprenticeships and four and five, really important. We can transform that. But level one, level two is vital uh, in that first step. And there was none of that. And I think what I have Maybe the cynicism in me has risen more during this job. You know, I've heard a lot of very good words and absolutely no action behind it. The FE review in the autumn, the white paper, um, a great opportunity. My big fear is it's uh, let's sort out the colleges and then, um, you know, and, and everything else puts to one side. I was part, I sort of, as a civil servant, was sort of in the, one of the lead civil servants in the foster review. Again, it all ended up being colleges. There's, there's just a danger, and I'm, this is not saying that something negative about colleges, but they always, they always end up sort of as the key thing that, that the government wants to sort out. You know, why aren't they engaging employers like others? You know, Nick Bowles, they're stealing your lunch or dinner or whatever. It's, it's because organisations are set up in different ways. And actually, the FE sector, the strength of it is the different types of organisations who can respond across the whole spectrum of delivery and we should be embracing that not not really this sort of underlying language of if only the colleges could do it all then we'd be in a much better place which is really what is being said a lot of the time here what are you you and i have talked a lot about level two and and the challenges that you faced around promoting the need for level two and the need for support for level two why is that so difficult do you think to get that shift there um uh, there's a lot of things going on, but I think we talk to generally politicians and civil servants that level two was their GCSEs or O levels and, and they cruise through that and they just can't understand why someone can't jump straight to a level three and then move on to higher learning. I mean, that's I'm afraid that's the bottom line. And the more we can get uh, particularly the civil servants out to see the type of individuals um, that, that we're dealing with, the situations, and it's not just the education, it's the social situations that they bring in to the training provider or the college. Um, now, I joined FE in uh, incorporation in 93, um, and I'd had a very privileged educational background, you know, private school, Cambridge University, KPMG in the city, training as an accountant. Um, I, you know, I was one of those people in a sense, and and to then walk into a college and see the 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 really dire situation of individuals coming out of schools, I just could not believe it, um, and that turned my head very quickly, um, and I don't 
think we've got people even if they if they believe in it it's just when you're exposed to it every day you shift your attitude and your focus very very quickly i worked on adult basic skills um uh, the skills for life uh, strategy and delivery uh, in the department and again you know the nine million adults that couldn't read or write was the level of 11 year old you just step back and think how on earth has this happened um and and we're not we're not seeing that that support i get the productivity the need for high technical skills that is important as well but if we don't sort out this level two uh entry level type of, of provision then then you know there'll be there'll be economic impact and social impact that will really hurt this country and i guess that's only going to get worse now with much higher youth unemployment much higher unemployment generally poverty absolutely and you know the the ones the ones that um were struggling but because of the full employment situation there was a focus on right well these individuals we need to help them because they're important parts of the workforce they're going to be pushed way way back um it's sort of where the kickstarter program sits in terms of uh, really those that weren't getting employment before this crisis uh, are going to going to be way down the list in terms of employment now um and and they need that 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 helping hand um and david hughes and myself have said for for the duration of this crisis to the minister and, and others that if we don't get this right the social unrest that's going to hit during this summer and into the into the autumn will be like the sort of riots that we saw in, um, in tottenham and other places over the last few decades and 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 there's a there is a real issue and concern there so why leave now why go and do a different role at the time it's uh, this job, um, there was, I, I soon realised there was never a good time to leave. Uh, as I said, the, the list is always there. There's always a new challenge. As soon as something's sorted out, there's another, there's another challenge. I've done four and a half years, as, as, um, as many will tell you. Five years is my sort of tenancy in a role unless it changes dramatically. Um, and, and actually, uh, we, we've transformed AELP in terms of our organization in terms of of what we do how it's run um its impact uh and you know, I'm leaving it in really strong hands with with Jane and and the team uh with a really strong board um and it felt if this was a moment uh, and then on top of that um I had an opportunity to work with an organization that does fantastic stuff with online learning it works with colleges, it works with training providers, it works with schools, it works with employers. You know, the, the opportunity that has been thrown out there, partly by the COVID situation, it just felt like something. I, it's time to get my hands dirty again and uh, get, get dug in and sort of uh, do what I keep telling everyone else to do. So do you think that kind of blended learning approach, will that be one of your big focuses at the Skills Network? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the, they have their own sort of online system. Uh, I think we're going to sort of be announcing some exciting stuff over the next couple of weeks uh, for, for the sector um, and, and, and actually a, a collaborative approach, ge a genuinely collaborative approach. It's sort of what the government keeps saying they should be doing but we know they never will because big government projects fail you know uh, it never and they'd certainly 
they might work for a year, but they're certainly not sustainable. Um, what I can see us doing is providing phenomenal online resource, proper online learning. You know, it's not about shoving a load of stuff on on Moodle and, and saying, okay, get on with it. It's sort of supporting and sequencing uh, the learning and, and, and getting uh, proper either on fully online or blended learning. And I've got many exciting ideas, as have the team, and, and they're really excited about the opportunity. So, yeah, no, I and and we all know it's not going to go back to how it was. Uh, uh, we we are we're sitting here zooming away today. There are, there are <clears throat> there are meetings that I used to have, say, with all the local networks that are linked to ALP. I've been having them every week after the CEO webinar. That's sort of transformed our relationship. And and why why drop that? Why why have to travel around the country when we can all just sort of log on for an hour? So. Yeah, no, I, I just think uh, in terms of learning, I, I was talking to someone the other day and actually this is this is flipped learning actually happening in a digital way in the sense that there's a lot of really high quality resource you can produce that, that benefits the individual uh, because it is it is world leading sort of quality. Um, and then the really important bit behind it is the tutorial discussion, the support. Um, which can either be done online or face to face, and and I think we're going to shift very very quickly to that model now. I like how quickly you've moved to we when you. <laughs> I, I get very very confused. <laughs> Are you having a break before you know before you start at the schools network at all? A nice holiday away from it all. I I am I'm um so I've got uh, my last day. Uh, of working at ALP is on the 24th of July and then I've got three weeks off. The first week will be a bit of sorting stuff out and things and then then we're off to France and I think the first time in probably 15 years I just will not look at my phone uh, which which will be a, a, a real relief for my wife and children if, if nothing else. So uh, yeah. I, I was sitting in France on a beach talking to the Financial Times about Learn Direct uh, one holiday. I've, I've, you know, in the in the uh, OCR days, we would be on holiday. I had to come back twice from holiday to deal with uh, issues. So, to this one, I'm really looking forward to. Good. Well, enjoy your quality family time on a holiday, and good luck in your new role. Um, thank you so much for speaking to us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and it's been a pleasure working with you and I'm sure I'll carry on doing so. I have to say, I'm getting the feeling it's not the last we'll hear from you. <laughs> Absolutely not. I, I want to I promote online learning in an FE. That, that's, you know, I, you know I like the, the, the national scene and I think I, I, it'd be great to get involved in, in sort of that sort of very positive thing. Cool. Right, well, we'll see, we'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs> after my holiday <laughs> yes obviously as ever thank you so much for listening to the Tez FE podcast and me and Julie will be back with a special guest in a couple of weeks thank you and goodbye <laughs>